0: Let's pray together, please. Um, Almighty God, as we come to you today, I know that your timing is always right, and there's something you have for each of us from your word for today. And so um, we would hear from you through Christ, I pray. Amen. So we're going through a series of messages through the letter of 2 Corinthians, which is a letter of great encouragement. Uh, In our message today, we talked about how uh, Paul encourages us to be influencers for Christ. If there's ever a time when Christians need to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, certainly it is in our time today. We talked about various characteristics of being a godly influencer. And the first thing we said was integrity. Paul describes integrity, I think, for us in verse... um, Verse 12, when he says, um, I can find it here. Um, he said, this is our boast. Our testimony, the testimony of our conscience is that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you with godly sincerity and purity. Paul said he had a clear conscience because of his integrity. And he defines integrity here, I think, as godly sincerity and Purity. We have time to talk a little bit about purity, but today I want to talk a little bit about godly sincerity. Um, The word sincere is really an interesting word. It comes from two Latin words that mean without wax, sine sira. Literally, it means um, to judge in the light of the sun in Greek. It's kind of a fun wordplay. See, in ancient times, wax was sometimes used by unethical um uh, vase makers, let's say, pottery makers, to cover up their flaws. Uh, making vases was very expensive. And so if there was a crack, they didn't just want to throw it away. They want to sell it. And so what dishonest merchants would do is they would take wax and melt it into the cracks so that the cracks would disappear, because of this, and so when it was held up to the sun, when it was judged by the light of the sun, the wax would melt and the fraud would be exposed. That is why honest merchants could um, could could advertise their products as sinera, without wax. Bible scholars have defined sincerity as unstained when held up to the to the sunlight. When under pressure, we show ourselves to be genuine. Now, again, this is difficult. In his, in his book, um, uh, Dan uh, Airly made this observation. He said, "Over the course of many years of teaching, I have noticed there there typically seems to be a rash of deaths among students' relatives at the end of the semester. It happens most." Mostly in the week before the final exams and when the papers are due, and guess which relative seems to die the most? Grandma. He says, "I'm not making this stuff up." Another research on this uh, on, on this uh, uh, trend has shown that grandmothers are 10 times more likely to die before midterms and 19 times more likely to die before college final exams. Now, whose grandmothers of students, um, the, the students who are not doing well, you see, the grandmothers of the students who are not doing well are always highest at risk. In fact, students who are failing are 50 times, 50 times more likely to lose grandma than non-failing students. Somebody has observed, it turns out that the greatest predictor of mortality in senior citizens in our day ends up being their grandchildren's GPA in college at the end of a semester. So the warning is, if you're a grandparent, don't let your grandchild go to college. It may kill you especially if he or she is not doing well at the end of a semester. That's not sincerity. And Morrow one time said, the most exhausting thing in life is being insincere. One of the reasons that we adore Jesus, though, is that he was sincere without wax. When placed under the examination of the heat of trial, he proved to be true. Pilate examined his life thoroughly, trying to find something wrong with him. And Pilate said, "I find no fault in him." Jesus could face his accusers with a peaceful spirit because he wasn't exhausted by insincerity. Now let's be honest: none of us will ever be as sincere as Jesus. In college, we had a one of my first courses. We called Introduction to Ministry. And one of the first lessons that um, our professor, uh, Stacy, taught us was that, um, uh, that the person is never equal to the, to the message. That, um, if you want to alliterate it, that the message of the gospel is always above the man. So whenever I speak on Sunday morning or whenever I present scripture, You know, if I am sincere, I have to, you know, not present myself. I try not to present myself as equal to the message, but as trying to live up to the message like everybody else. See, the key to sincerity is not projecting yourself to be better than you actually are. Like the Apostle Paul would say, I'm the worst of sinners, Are you trying to let God change you, or are you just trying to put on a good facade? Does somebody know everything, or are you trying to fake it? One reason I like the game of golf is because it's known as an honest person's game. Golfers are expected to be honest. I love the story of J.P. Hayes. At age 43... He was kind of a middle of the road professional golfer trying to qualify for a PGA tournament. Hadn't done it yet, was always playing in the second levels. But he was playing in this one tournament that if he could just get one more good score, he would finally get, he would finally qualify, he would finally experience the dream of his life. But in the middle of the round, he realized that he had mistakenly used a non regulation ball with just two shots. He used a ball that was a prototype and not yet approved for a PGA tournament. He realized his mistake. He reported it and he was immediately disqualified. Hayes later said, I violated the rule. I had to take my medicine. Now, here's the thing. Hayes didn't really have to turn himself in. Nobody filmed it. Nobody else saw it. No human being would ever have known that he hit a non-approved ball for just two strokes. But J.P. Hayes knew. His conscience knew. Mike Golick, who was an ESPN commentator at that time, said, This was the greatest story for sports and honesty in sports I can ever remember. That's without wax. Sincerity. That's how you live with a clear conscience. Paul begins this by saying, I I, I come to you with a clear conscience because of godly sincerity. And that's the kind of leaders that we ought to admire, that we ought to expect. The thing about leaders like this, they may not be photogenic, they may not be powerful, they may not be personality plus, they may not be the most impressive talkers. They may not have gotten the best grades in school. Remember when God's looking for a king for Israel? Jesse brings out his sons, and he brings out the oldest ones. He brings out the ones who are obvious. But God chooses David, the youngest, the one who's out working with the sheep, doing the most humble work. Because the Bible says in that passage, while human beings look at the outward, God sees the heart. Psalm 98, verse 7. God chose David to be his servant. And took him from his sheep pens. He brought him from tending ewes to be shepherd over his people Jacob. He shepherded them with a pure heart and guided them with skillful hands. Remember when God sent a Savior, he didn't send the most impressive king, somebody who looked really impressive on the outside with family connections. He sent a humble baby in a manger. One of the marks of maturity is when we start to value sincerity in ourselves and in people over personality, genuine character over impressive skills. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to, be, to live without wax today. If there's any area in our lives where we are trying to project ourselves as better than we actually are. Um, Any areas where we uh, feel like we're um, having to prove ourselves. Help us, Lord, to be so content in you, so confident in your love for us that we can say with the Apostle Paul, I'm the worst of sinners, but I'm saved by grace. I am what I am and Whatever is good in me is in Christ. Lord, make us genuine through Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us.